Hi again, everybody. Yes, Anthony and Tim are back on the Sports Podcast, episode number 166. Oh, nothing exciting going on in the world of sports at all. Mm-mm. You know, it's just been, you know, a long week for the NFL with the Thursday night Browns game. You know, Ohio State's just, you know, rolling over everybody. It's not exciting at all. You know, and then, you know, basketball season's what? The end of October or first of October will begin yep. with the NBA mm-hmm. and college basketball's about a month away. There's nothing mm-hmm. going on, Anthony. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at, at all, all and, except uh, your Cleveland Guardians have won the AL Central. Yes, how about that? Uh, I, I mean, uh, what a run. I, I think if you listen to the TV broadcast or the radio broadcast or even read the national publications, uh, just what an improbable ride uh, this season was because they were very – and honest about it, coming into the abbreviated spring training in March after the lockout, um, that this was going to be a rebuild type of year. It showed by the uh, free agent signings, um, and it was point blank we were going to give our young kids a shot. And that, and I think as a fan, when you know, hey, we're going to play the young kids and we're going to see what we get. To me, that's exciting as a fan because you get to see what you have for the future. And, you know, I like for instance, I'm watching a Pirates game now, and I guess it's different in the Guardians and the Pirates situation, Tim, because when the Pirates come out and say it, there's not really much to get excited about because their farm system is not very deep. But the Guardians, they're loaded at AAA and AA and, you know, high A advance and low A and uh, and I think to be honest, like like Tito said, we got lucky there was no Rule Five draft. Yeah. This past year because of the lockout. Because if there was, you wouldn't have been able to uh, protect an Oscar Gonzalez. And who knows, Tim, where this offense would be without Oscar Gonzalez and his contributions offensively and defensively. Uh, for May 26th on. It's, and he just wanted a few. Yeah, there's just there's yeah, no question that some of the things went the Guardians' way in the front it, office. Exactly. And, you know, obviously, I honestly do believe, and I could be overstating this, mm-hmm. if there was a draft, they would have let go of Bradley earlier. They would have let mm-hmm. go of uh, Bradley Sim- Zimmer earlier yep. mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. to make room for those players. They would have just had to make decisions. Mercado too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have had to make yep. decisions on certain players that they, they could basically delay because there was no uh, Roll 5, which was, you know, again, an advantage for all teams because I'm sure each and every team had an opportunity mm-hmm. exactly with a player or two. They said, well, we don't have to make that decision in March, we we can make or, or February, we can make that decision uh, come June or July, and that's basically what happened in Cleveland's um, situation. So, not a not a bad thing, but yeah, he's not lying when they said they got lucky because sure they did. They were yeah, able. We they were because mm-hmm. Oscar Gonzalez was not on the forty man roster at the beginning nope. of the season, and. They got some decisions. Right, right, exactly. And they got others 
coming through the pipeline. What's yeah. interesting is mm-hmm. we're seeing fruition of the of the Guardians farm system that has been yes. known for the last 10 years as a pitching factory now mm-hmm. actually producing some everyday players who have yes. potential to be everyday players. So that is interesting. I mean, we haven't had those players come up since Ramirez and Lindor. Lindor, yeah. A few years back, you know, almost eight, ten years ago. So it is a combination of, you know, a, kind of a, a, a cycle returning. And we're seeing some of those players who they – drafted and signed as free agents and traded for starting mm-hmm. to show the ability to play at this level. And quite honest with you, um, next year, I mean, they're going to have this offseason, there's going to be players who are on this 40-man roster right now that will not be protected well, well, and let go. Yeah, and you know, yeah. a perfect example is probably Miller. I can't see yep. room for him next year right now. I can't either, Tim. And because he's a second baseman, he really yeah, is. That's exactly. his best position in second base, and he's playing first base, and he's doing an adequate job for a guy who's never played the position until mm-hmm. last season. I'm not knocking his abilities, and he's had you know for the limited times that he's been asked to play, he's performed mm-hmm. well. I wouldn't say he's been like outstanding, but he's performed as well as it can be expected. So. You know, there's going to be some changes coming up, and you know, but that's not why we're here to talk about. No, I will say this, Anthony, and you can back me mm-hmm. up here. Yeah, uh, when we started talking about the beginning of the season, and we talked about a lot of different scenarios about mm-hmm. this 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 club and where it could be at. Uh, there was a lot, you know, and I'm not going to say I didn't say they could be 500 or a little bit better. I yeah. even said I thought the potential of this team to win 90, 92 games is not out of the question. And yes, they're right on that path right now to get to that level. They may, you know, necessarily, I think they're going to play out strong. I really, truly do. I don't think, first of all, the six games against Kansas City is going to be that I, I think they'll pretty much roll over. Uh, that's my gut feeling. And Tampa Bay, well, Tampa Bay's in a, in, in a uh, playoff hunt, so they're coming in to play hard. I think um, and that's a good point you bring up, Tim, because I was having this discussion with a couple people today. You know, what do you do? And we can tell from sorts um, of our past playoff run where we've had the – uh, privilege, I guess you should say, um, to clinch early, except for 2013 when we had a clinch on the last day of the regular season, of how Cheeto and his coaching staff uh, will want to set up the roster and the guys going forward. You know, if you go into the Texas series and they brought up Will Brun and they brought up Gabriel Arias and he said, we want to start giving guys days off. Because when we got to Texas, Tim, it was almost a foregone conclusion of uh, this team was going to clinch uh, when not if then. Um, so they started to give guys off. So it, in my opinion, um, and I think they kind of dropped it a little bit in the pre or the post game yesterday. I think against Tampa Bay, if if we play tomorrow, uh, tomorrow looks awful weather. Uh, all along the eastern seaboard in the Midwest. You know, it's starting to be the end of September here, finally the weather's starting to roll in. 
But I think you're going to see a lot of guys get tomorrow off completely. I think you'll see a Jose Ramirez probably get the day off and Gabriel Arias will play. Uh, Stephen Kwan will probably get the day off completely. And you'll see a Will Brennan play who's done a very nice job in his couple games up. Um, I think you'll see either Rosario or Jimenez get the day off. Um, in my opinion, I'd like to see Naylor get the day off um, and just keep nursing that ankle. Here's um, the trouble part. I'm not saying what you're saying isn't true. I think they will get a lot of those players an opportunity, either one of them the DH and the others yes. the day off. The uh, difference between this season and previous seasons is you only got 28-man roster to play with. So true. you don't that's, have that's as many uh former triple-A players do you? that are available. Now, you do have the ones you brought up and the ones you mentioned, and I yes. think, you know, seeing Benson probably play possibly, center, yeah, possibly yep. center field and give Straw yep. the day off is, is very yep. possible, or play left or right field. I I'm, I don't disagree with any of that. And Tim, let me go ahead. Let me ask you this real quick. You know, we talked about the position players getting days off, and I think you're going to see, like you mentioned, if they're not off completely, uh, a Jose will DH and a Quan will DH. I really like that how Tito has uh, constructed his lineup the last couple months since the uh, DFA of Fernando Reyes. Do you think uh, with Shane Bieber going tomorrow, do you think he's on a pitch count at all? They don't need to win the game. Yeah, um, they locked in the three seed, maybe 75, 80 pitches. It, um, it makes sense. I, I think it might be a little bit more. I think it would probably be around 90 to 100. Uh, yeah. But simply, and it, I think it all depends on the tempo the of weather. the game. The tempo of yeah. the game and other factors. I think weather would have something to do with it. Uh, they definitely, you know, want him to pitch and get into a groove of his yeah. every fifth day. That's why he's pitching now. And they're going to give uh, McKenzie the extra day's rest. And then it sets up your starting rotation uh, for the playoffs where you would have Beaver throwing game one, McKenzie two, yep. and, and Quantrill three if necessary. So it's it's a good situation for setting up your starting rotation. And mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they use the bullpen more than anything in the next uh, mm -hmm. week because you want to keep them fresh. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some some guys that we don't normally see uh, mm -hmm. go extra innings, meaning, you know, if they can go two innings, let them go two innings because yeah, exactly. uh, mm -hmm. it won't hurt you long term. In the same vein, the back end guys um, – your seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys. I don't think you're going to see uh, more than one inning. Guy. Yeah, more than one inning, yeah. and and not and some high leverage situations if it's possible. And you may even bring in, let's say, a hedges in uh, exactly in in, in mm -hmm. inning five, just because yeah. you have two runners on and you want him exposed to that scenario uh, for the playoffs. I'm not saying Tito's going to use him like he used Miller. But I can see that possibility. And let's be honest, uh, playoff managing is micromanaging, and we have one of the best micromanagers in the game. So uh, we'll see exactly how it transpires. But 
as we were mentioning big, earlier, Anthony, mm-hmm. you look at, I mean, I, you and I kind of went through this a couple of months ago, talking about when uh, mm-hmm. they DFA uh, Reyes, how ch- mm-hmm. how different this lineup looks comparatively when it started this season. Uh, you know, you don't have Bradley Zimmer. You nope. don't have Bradley at first base. You don't have nope. Reyes in the outfield slash DH. You, it's it's you amazing. Don't have Mercado. Mercado. Mm-hmm. Um, there's four players right there that were in your opening day roster and opening day lineups for the most part uh, that are not part of this club today and they have been replaced by young guys who are hungry and have played hard and it is you know given this organization the boost that it was looking for and it's more interesting to me Anthony is you look at our division at the trading deadline the Guardians stayed pat. All they did was promised uh, a, an age veteran who they picked yes. up as a catcher that if an opportunity came about, they would trade him. And they did. And, you know, they hey, did the, they yeah. did the correct thing. They, they treated him mm-hmm. properly. And, uh, you know, I have great, great respect for Sandy Lalone and everything mm-hmm. that he brings to a ball club. And uh, I'm not, you know... They did the correct thing, and that was, you know, impressive. And more importantly, they even traded them in division, which is impressive. Yeah. And then you look at the scenario, that uh, the moves that the White Sox made, especially the Twins made, and just doing internal uh, changes for the Guardians got them the division. Yeah, Jim, that's a great point. There's uh, three points that I want to bring up. and uh, Let me touch on the most recent point you mentioned. You mentioned that at trade lockdown, we stood pat. And I and I believe, and Stephen Kwan even said it yesterday in the post-game press, that you know, somebody asked him, what was the turning point where you guys felt like, hey, we could do this? And he mentioned, you know, we... And like every ball player is, they're not going to say, well, we didn't expect to win. Because if you're a competitor, you, you expect to win. Um, but he said, he says, I think after trade deadline, when they uh, didn't make any moves and they put their faith and trust in us, it shows, hey, we can do this thing. Um, and you can talk about games thereafter. Um, but I want to talk about the moves made by division rivals. Um, because a lot was made about them, and I sat back and I'm like, yeah, I'm not really impressed by him. Chicago added Jake Diekman. I, you know, he's a serviceable left-hand reliever, not great. Uh, we roughed him up pretty good last Tuesday in game one of that series against the White Sox. Um, I think his ERA um, is still skyrocketing. And then the Twins, you know, they were desperate to go get pitching, so they uh, go out and add uh, Jorge Lopez from the Orioles, and he was never great. They never used him properly. Um, so uh, I think what you said to him is, you know, is great because this team didn't make a lot of moves. They did it internally, um, and you see the White Sox and Twins go out and make these moves, and it didn't work out for them at all. Yeah, well, 
the Twins traded an all-star closer before the year for Chris Paddock. Chris Paddock made, what, two or three starts with Twins, and he was shelved the rest of the year. And, you know, coming into this year, he was the career five ERA guy. Um, so that is uh, – you. There's we get caught up so much and oh we gotta make these moves we gotta make we gotta make trades and sometimes it's better just to stand pat, tweak some things internally like you mentioned, um, and then give them that that sense of faith like hey we believe in you. Um, What's even more impressive, Anthony, in my eyes, uh-oh. is having such a vision of what Antonetti exactly. and Chernoff did this year. Let me, and what I mean by that is many fans complained when Connor Plickington came up and pitched, but boy, what a role did he give you this year? Pitching all those double headers. Yeah, I know he got roughed he up. He saved and, you. But that's my whole point. You didn't have to go out and get another player. I mean, that was from the trade last year in of the second baseman to the White Sox. That's what you got in return. So, yep. You know, this is what I'm talking about. And you look at someone like McCarty. We had to release him. He went to Baltimore for a week. He came back. And he's been a godsend since he came back, Tim. Yeah. Well, he was, again, this is what my point is. You have, sometimes you get lucky where, you know, a player of that caliber who, you know, is a, a good, a major league tweener is what I call him. They're not quite proven at the major league level, but they're definitely proven at the AAA level. And sometimes it's just a matter of opportunities. And how many times did he come and give us multiple innings when we needed it the most uh, out of the bullpen? About, uh, last Saturday against the Twins, he gave us three innings in the extra innings when we were warming up a rookie. Exactly. You know, we were down to just Kirk McCarty. That was it, Tim. And this this and, is what I'm talking about. These are the type of moves, and you got to give Francona credit and his coaching staff credit for willing to, to say, you know, we're going to win this game or lose this game with this guy at this moment in the game. And I think that helps those guys too. It does. They know it's it's them, and they don't have to look over their shoulder. If oh man, I made a mistake, or right, I walked this guy, or he gave up a hit to this guy. Tim, do you think you're 100 percent correct there? In my eyes. Um, you know we're getting down to the last nine games of the year. Uh, thankfully, these nine games can be used to give guys the break. Uh, tomorrow, when I go up, you know, we're going to see our old friend Corey Kluber that we traded at Texas for the American League save leader and Emmanuel Clase. Another great move by this uh, front office. Um, you know, tomorrow's going to be a day of celebration. Do you think this is Terry Francona's best managerial job as manager of Cleveland Guardians? Well, that's tough for me to say because I'll say it on this level. You know, and I say this with all honesty for anybody who's listened to this podcast or heard Mm -hmm. me over the last 20 years, Terry Francona, in my mind, for the last 20 years has been the best manager in baseball, long before he came to Cleveland. And... I wanted him the manager of the Cleveland Indians back when uh-huh. Wedge got the job and he went to yep. Boston and he was in the organization. And I'm like, oh, man, you got to go get him now. Yep. You, you uh-huh. know, I was so wanting him to be the manager then. And, you know, hey, it all worked out in the wash. You know, he's yep. here now for the last 10 years and he'll be here 
on a yearly basis, meaning each year. But I can't. It may be getting harder on him, but yeah, I do. he still loves the game and loves. I think his goal. It hasn't changed since the day he took the job in Cleveland. Uh, it would mean so much to him on a personal level with his family's roots exactly. with the Cleveland Baseball Club over the years mm-hmm. to bring a championship to Cleveland. Now, obviously, in 2016, we came really damn close. Yeah. But in 2017, might have been the best team he ever filled it uh, in Cleveland. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. You know that's baseball. You can't predict. You can't predict when you're going to have big runs or not. Uh, and all I know is we got a guarantee of two games come October at home exactly. against at home. a potential opponent that yet to be named, mm-hmm. and one of them could be Tampa. Uh, exactly. The, and quite honest with you, I would not mind. Taking situations out of this series, these three games with them, not necessarily as a tune-up, but like a playoff atmosphere. Because this is a playoff team you're going to face. Yeah. Um, I think the worst matchup for Cleveland right now is is Seattle, which is potentially still in the cards um, in that matchup. So, that well, my, my whole, my, I just think it's a bad matchup uh, for mm-hmm. Cleveland. So... I'm not saying they can't win. I just don't like that matchup. I like the other two matchups better. You know, I you think like, now with Julio Rodriguez and Suarez on the IL for the Mariners. Do you still think it's the worst matchup than the Blue Jays? Yeah, I do. Some reason Seattle just gets me kind of leery of a team that yeah. could potentially come in and just shut Make down. A run. Yeah, just shut you yeah. down because they have good pitching. And yeah, I know they do miss they're missing a couple big players and you're right. Mm-hmm. That that should should change the mathematics of that series. But I don't I'll be quite honest, I don't care who you face, it's going to be tough. You're in. You're, you're in. in and the truth of the matter is to win a championship you have to win all these games and you have to take it one series at a time and one game at a time. And we'll see how they react when when they get there. Now I know this, I'm going to preface this uh, for our listeners out there, Tim. Uh, I have known you for what now? Seven years, I think. Yeah. In that range. Yeah. I would say in that range. Yeah. It's gone six, seven years. Um, And I have always known you regardless of the sport. Get us in, you give me a chance. That's, oh, that's exactly want. it. Get in the, the tournament, the playoffs, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, college football playoffs, the one double play playoffs. You get me in, you get a shot. That's it. With the Cavaliers, saw with YSU, they were not a national team in 2016, made that run, you know. Um, right. So I was told this on Friday at work after I was on cloud nine after we crumbled as mighty Elvis Andrews said we were going to crumble with the big bad White Sox coming in our rearview mirror that we would crumble and our division hopes would be over. Well, we all know how that went for Elvis and the White Sox. They were uh, disinterested from uh, game two on and they've lost their last six. Somebody at work tells me, Tim, 
I'd rather lose 100 games like the Pirates are going to to get a better draft pick than go to the playoffs and lose in the first round. Well, that's just not understanding base. That's asinine. Well, that's someone someone who is quite honest with you, thinks that the Major League Baseball is run like the NFL. Exactly. And, Tim, let me preface this now by saying, and I have no problem with people who watch whatever sport they do. I don't care. I don't watch the NFL. This person does. He will sit down in front of his TV from 9 to midnight outside and he'll watch the NFL. And I said, I said, you know, baseball's draft is not set up like the NFL's, where if you have the worst record, you have the number one pick. I said, right. hey, there's substantially more rounds. And I said, it's now a lottery because that's what they wanted to avoid. They wanted to avoid, you know, the tanking on purpose like Houston did, losing 100 games two, three years in a row to get top draft picks year after year. It's now a lottery. Well, You're here- not even guaranteed. Yeah, and here's another thing, Anthony, That and I'm sure this is a point you were just about to make, so I apologize for stealing your thunder here. No. In baseball, unlike other sports like the NBA or the NFL, NFL. there's no guarantee the person you draft in the first round is going to be either A, be a major league ball player, or B, be an all-star. There's no guarantee. Okay, Sam, here's a uh, a question for you, all right? And that's a great point. Well, you know, first of all, NBA and NFL draft picks can make an immediate impact that year. Correct. Major League Baseball players may not see five years from now. You know, you make a draft pick now, he may not be in the big leagues until four to five years from now, depending on your organizational depth, the strength, the development of the player. Exactly. Um, there's just so many factors. There's just so many factors that go yeah. into it. And quite honest with you, a change in organizational philosophy can happen in the middle of a player's minor league career where all of and a sudden what, what that player represents as a uh, tool set may not necessarily be the way this organization wants to be structured going forward today. That happens all the time, and players get moved on. And sometimes they run out of uh, – time and you trade a guy for another guy just because they're both they you know it's an easy swap but that's just how baseball's run versus the nfl the nfl really doesn't make many trades they do trade draft picks they do trade players for draft picks in baseball you can't trade for draft picks so it's totally different it's a totally different Mm -hmm. world uh and you have to in baseball you have multiple scouting situations. You have a scouting yep. at the high school level and the collegiate mm-hmm. level. Plus, then you have the international. And, then, and, exactly. and you don't necessarily. And there wasn't an international draft, you know, f- until recently, mm-hmm. and it changes everything. Um, I don't know what the future holds, you know, for any organization. Pittsburgh had. Had its had its run, you know, yep. about six seven years ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the Pirates organization, they were wild card every time, and only the first time they qualified did they get out of that one game playoff. Uh, yep. And those are those are tough. 
in 2013 when it happened to Cleveland. That was a tough thing because that team fought so hard down the stretch. Yes, they did. Um, to get there. And it was an amazing run, and no one's seen it coming. And, again, it was Francona doing what he does best in September, getting his team ready to play and to win. Now, yep. you know, I did the, the other day, Anthony. You'll get a okay. kick out of it. I went back and looked since 2013 at mm-hmm. the September record slash October when there was October games. I was games. just about to ask that. And here's here's I mean you'll 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 see the years that they've made the playoffs. They had great runs mm-hmm. in September, and a few of them mm-hmm. they didn't. It surprised me. Some of the records were a little less than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 2013, their record was. 21 and 6. Yeah, they had to win the last 10 to qualify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 2014, that's the year they finished I think a one or two games above 500. They went Yeah, they, th- they went 40, maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went 40, 14 and 13. Hmm. In 2015, there was a few games in October. They finished mm-hmm. 17 and 14. But in 2015, yeah, and that was yeah, that was, again, another year that they missed the playoffs but missed finished playoff, over 500. Yep. And then came 2016, the magical run to yep. the to the World Series. They went 18-11 in 2016. And then in 2016. Go ahead. A couple of those 11 games, Tim, were. Uh, After the clinch. They, yeah, they clinched weeks in advance so they could press them, guys. Exactly. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it was a big run up until yes. the but, but at the yes, same time. It was like the last ten games of the season, kind of like this yep. year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and twenty seventeen, same scenario. But that was the midst of the twenty two game winning streak. They went twenty six yes. and four. That twenty two game winning streak spanned back into late Oct- late August uh, into middle late September. August, yeah. uh, they went yes. twenty twenty six and four. And they had a few wow. games in October that year. So, I mean, it was just phenomenal. In 2018, they qualified for the playoffs. They had a 500 record in September, 14 and 14. 2019, they were 14 and 12. Now, the next two years were the two years without Francona in the dugout. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2020, with Sandy Alomar running the club, they went 14 yep. and 11. And with DeMar. DeMarlo running the club last year, they mm-hmm. went 15 and 18. And this year, through yesterday, they're 18 and 7 in September. And Tim, what was their record to 19 again in uh, September? In 2019, 14 and 12. 14 and 12, and they were eliminated from playoff contention uh, with three games to go in that year, four games right. to go in that year. And they got swept by Washington, so. Um, right, right. They were kind of injured at that stage of the game. Yeah, and they, and they still won 95 games, Tim. Yeah. It, again, timing's everything in sports. Yes, uh, it is. It, it really matters. I mean, uh, not to bring up, not to change the subject dramatically here, because mm-hmm. we're not going to go in this direction, but I do want to mention it. Uh, for those who may have not, when they hear this, they'll probably already know what happened. But earlier today, mm-hmm. uh, Miles Garrett from the Browns was in a car accident, a single car accident with his girlfriend. They both were wearing their seatbelts, non-life-threatening injuries, but both of them had to go to the hospital. So what type of injuries he has sustained, we don't know yet. 
and may not know for another 24, 48 hours uh, until it's released by the Browns and uh, the Ohio State Patrol. So mm-hmm. um, that's a major loss for the Cleveland Browns, and that's what I'm talking about is timing. Everything everything matters. Yeah. It's just like, well, you know, a perfect example talking about the Guardians is when Savali and Plesak both went down. That really put a, put a strain on your starting rotation, and you brought up young kids making starts yeah. that you never would have thought would be playing this late well, in, in the uh, season uh, in meaningful games. Well, Tim, you mentioned that, but how about in 2016? In September, they lost Carlos Carrasco to the line drive right back. Mm-hmm. Right. He was down. Salazar, had, he was your best pitcher the first half of the season. He was an all-star, and he went down uh, later in the second half. Yeah. Trevor Bauer and his finger injury. Clevenger was hurt. Oh, I so, know. Yeah. It and was. he lost Michael Brantley and... Yon Gums came back, and he wasn't fully healthy. Roberto Perez got banged up. They had three catches in the roster in the ALDS against Boston. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I heard that on Friday, Tim, and I just and I couldn't believe it. Even in 2018, where they were a good team, but you could tell they had flaws. Sure. Uh, and it was probably going to be uh, tough to make a run because uh, they had – I don't want to say backed into the playoffs, but they had struggled. I, you know, they weren't challenged that division all year. Uh, they won that division easily. Uh, but you could tell they had flaws. And, you know, uh, I still want to be in the playoffs. I, I, just, no, I, yeah. I have never understood the mindset of if you're a fan of a team, and I, and, you know, you know I have never rooted for my team. It was like last year when we were 80 and 82, and I'm sitting here in October watching the final three games of the year. I'm rooting for them to win. Absolutely. Period. Yes. Period. If you're a fan of a team, you root for them to win. Exactly. You don't root for, you know, the draft picks and this and that um, because success breeds success. It does. Um, Failure does not breed success. um, Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, coming up short sometimes feels desire for the next season. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's not failure. That's just not fulfilling. Oh, yeah, you, you know yes. your dreams of that mm-hmm. season. Uh, obviously, I think a perfect example of that it was a 2016 to 2017 season uh, for the Indians, where they came up. You know, obviously everyone knows what happened in 16, but 17 you, that team was had total desire to get back to the World Series and to win. They did. And, you know, they hit their slump at the wrong time of the year. Timing is everything. And they went into October and they weren't playing their best baseball. And unfortunately, that happens. And you run into a team and, you know, that's playing a little bit better than you are and uh, whatever you want to say about it, it was what it was. And, And that's just the way it works. Um, then you come into a season like this where, let's face it, you've been to all these games this year. You've seen yes, the sir. empty seats. Yes, sir. You know, as as much as there will be every seat filled here in the next two weeks uh, mm-hmm. when the playoffs begin, mm-hmm. um, you know this team has not captured the fans the way 
the organization has hoped. Um, they've gotten better attendance as the season's progressed. But it hasn't been substantial where you say, oh, they got 25,000 oh. every night. But they were getting 15, me- 17, and you know, yeah. you move on from there. I mean, obviously, like I said, I think in at least in Northeast Ohio, things are tough. And exactly. I, I honestly do, and I've said this before, and, and it's purely my belief, and I can't prove this. I don't do any the number yeah. running and all that. However, I think they market this team terribly with the six o'clock games uh, in in April and May and early June, and then and when you get into September, they bring them back. I think those are terrible time slots because if you do live like you do, ninety minutes away, mm-hmm. that's a difficult mm-hmm. travel. If you're working that day, you either have to leave early from work, mm-hmm. or you have that ability to do stuff like that because not everyone can. And it makes it difficult. An hour, yes, I understand the thought process when they first did it. Is like those who are downtown wouldn't have to yeah. come back. You know, they would. You know, if they go out but, for something to dinner and all that, they would be right there and go to the game. And the idea is uh, for those who have school age children, well, you would yeah. have, you would start an hour earlier for they would be home at a decent hour. Okay. I get the philosophy behind it, but I honestly don't think it's improved the attendance at all over the last three no, years that they have done it. Uh, and, no, it and, I, and I, like I said, I think the marketing of this organization is less than desirable. I, you know, and that I think is part of the problem. I don't think they have a good PR with the fans, and they need to improve that to bring back. The fringe people who used to go to 10, 15 games a year or five games a year and haven't. Well, Tim, that's a great point. And uh, it's something I've talked about with many people. You and I have discussed it on and off the air. And um, let me say this I, I'm extremely blessed and lucky that I have the opportunity to go to. 20, 25, 30 games a year. Um, it's it's incredible to me uh, every time I get to walk in that stadium that, you know, sometimes you sit there and, you know, the team's in the midst of a slump and it's like, oh, boy, this is going to be ugly again tonight. But, you know, there's times I sit there and be like, I get to go to 25 games a year to my favorite team. Right. You know, there are a lot of That's, people there's, who, yeah. who don't have the luxury. Exactly. And it starts with, you know, it starts with um, people in my family uh, that have helped me do this. And uh, but, but, you know, Tim, like you mentioned, those six o'clock starts in March, April, May, and again in September and October, you know, it's a big shout out to my company, Tim. Like you mentioned, living an hour and 15 minutes away. And for 10 games a year, I think it was eight games this year, Tim. Uh, we had six ten starts. You know, that for me is leaving at four o'clock to get up there for four fifteen uh, to get up there. Right. And I can't say enough about my company um, that allows you that so opportunity flexible. to do it. Yeah, yeah, and and not many people, like you mentioned, can do that. It's you know. So from that standpoint, 
Yeah, but also, Tim, it's expensive to go to a bowl game. Yes, Even it on is. on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you got parking that you're still 20 bucks. You still got gas. Gas is near four bucks a gallon still. Um, turnpike fee if you're taking a turnpike yeah, and everything else. Turnpike yeah. fee. Exactly. Arm and a leg for concessions and all that. Um, and, and it's just not feasible. And um, you know, like you mentioned, Tim, people work. Yeah. So, and to think that it's, you know, that there's a lot of people in Roosevelt House, Tim, you know, as well as I do, as soon as you get on 80 there, there's three mills in a two-stretch radius. So how many of those people that work at those mills or how many of those people um, that are uh, nurses and doctors at two of the greatest hospitals in the world, you know, sure, they work night shift. You know, there's a lot of people there that would love to go to the game that can't because they're work scheduled. Oh, it's, there's no um, question about it. And, and I agree with you, Tim. I, I, I do think the marketing is bad. Um, it's not YSU bad, look, but it's bad. It's easy to market Yankees and Red Sox and uh, Friday night games and all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's it, you're right. In, in the larger market, you, you get a bigger, you get a bigger exactly. sample for error. So, how do you, Tim, market? The San Francisco Giants are coming in in April on Easter weekend. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. In, in a, and this is maybe me over analyzing this a little bit. No, I don't think you're in over. Well, let me, let me let me put my my two cents here. Is I think where the this organization misses is it does like most. Markets, if not all the markets today, have flexible pricing depending on who comes yeah. to town. Exactly. I, I think that hurts this market. And it I also understand. believe that if and, – and I could be wrong here. Let's just say like right now they're running – they've been advertising the $11, you know, Ramirez yeah, special. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if they did that, let's say, in April and May? You know, and it was the six o'clock game. Maybe uh, you can get a few more people there. And well, here's or uh, let's you know, let's just say, uh, and then this is my own personal thing. Mm-hmm. I miss the Saturday afternoon ball games. We don't yeah, everything's Saturday night too. now. Now you still get the Sunday afternoon ball games, but Sunday's a busy day for a lot of families. But Saturday, let's just say hypothetically, you had a one o'clock first pitch, well, you leave here from Youngstown at 10, you get there, you get plenty of time maybe to get something to eat ahead of time. You're home by 5.30. You're home by 5.30, exactly. You have the entire and evening. You still, exactly. And, Even if you had the 4 o'clock starts on uh, Saturdays, Tim, yeah. you're still home by 8, 8.30. Right. And, and again, uh, it's... It, I'm not a big fan of that, but I understand it. I mean, they have they want to get games on television because that's where they make their money, and I understand that. And let me, you know, Bally Sports um, pays for those type of games to be on, mm-hmm. so they can't compete with the Fox, which has the exclusivity, or whoever yes. it may be has the exclusivity on Saturday from noon to four. I get that. So if you have to start yeah. at four o five, 
I don't have a problem with that. I understand it, and I do think it's better than waiting till 7 p.m. on a on a Saturday. I rather see a afternoon game. I miss that when I was young, your age, uh, when that stadium just opened. There was very few mm-hmm. Saturdays I didn't go to a game, and I would stand in standing room only, and and just we'd have a blast. And, uh, there, I mean, I went to 10, 15 games a year, standing room only back in the day, uh, because that's the only way I could get tickets. And I didn't care if I stand for four hours for a baseball game. Uh, and that's just, you know, I think, like I said, some of the, the marketing misses the, the mark. I understand how the game has changed and pricing has changed and, you know, where, like, when San Francisco came to town, you had a higher price, or when the yep. Yankees come to town, you get a higher price. I think they'd be better off actually lowering the price on certain games like that and trying to pack the house versus trying to get 10,000 people and get the money for 25,000 people. That's just my opinion. It doesn't mean I'm right, but I figure with the concessions and other opportunities within the ballpark, they can make, you know, a half million million dollars on any gate if they truly marketed themselves well inside once they did it. But again, that's a totally different story. What's most important is the Guardians are in but the playoffs. Let me go back to that point real quick then. Uh, up until 2000, you know, take away 2020, the COVID year, we couldn't have any fans. Right. Uh, I believe the Guardians were amongst the top. 10 most expensive tickets in baseball. Like you said, times, you know, this is not New York City and Los Angeles where you got money flown. This is still Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, the Midwest. Um, so, to that, you can't have one of the most expensive average ticket prices in baseball. Um, and I'll be honest, Tim, and I can't, I can't fathom it, I can't understand it. But there are still people who are soft and just weird that they decide, I'm going to boycott the team because they changed their nickname. Well, they were never going to the game anyways, in my opinion. And I think that is so dumb. But like you mentioned, Tim, the most important thing is we are the American League Central Division champions. And that's... um, Yeah. As as for the name change, and I, you know, you and I talked about this exhaustively, and I don't mind talking about it again a little bit. Truth of the matter, when you hear someone say that, I really truly question how many games they went to, anyways. I agree. I agree. And I think it's more of um, a political statement versus a baseball yep. statement. Um, it's the players in the uniform playing in your town that matters. Exactly. I, can, I can attest to that more than anything in the world, being a Cleveland Brown fan. Uh, very fortunate it was only a three-year gap, but those were three miserable years. I just did not care about the NFL during that time period. Now, the team that came back wasn't very good for a very long time and still needs to show that it's a championship-caliber organization and it makes its share of mistakes and that's a different podcast Mm -hmm. but my point is you you got to take advantage what transpires 
is there's baseball in Cleveland. And there's going to be baseball in Cleveland for another 25 years and longer than that. I don't think uh-huh. it will ever be another team from Cleveland that leaves. If it does, it's because it, the town got so small that it couldn't support all three teams. Yeah. And, as, and I just honestly don't think this town is going to allow all three teams, you know, one of those three teams to leave. I just don't. I think they're no, entrenched. No, I can't either. Considering... I think they're entrenched in the community, and the community loves rooting for those things. I don't think you can expand and take no. on, let's like a hypothetically say, a hockey team or even yeah. a MSL team. I really mm-hmm. don't think it could really truly expand uh, that the professional level. But I do believe the three. Uh, professional organizations they have, they can support and will support and have proven over the years they do support uh, in and out. It's not a football town or a baseball town or a basketball town. It's a sports town. Exactly. And and in, in that sports town like Cleveland, it also tells you that you have to earn your fans you to come. Support. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a lot of ways of doing it. And my two cents worth of an opinion is the marketing of the Cleveland uh, Guardians. I almost said Indians there. The uh, the Guardians uh, are less than desirable. I think they could do a better job, and I think they need to examine where they make mistakes and find out if there's a better way to market this team to everyday players. And quite honestly, they, they should probably sell a family pack of four tickets for a for a uh, for a better price, for you're now getting that guy who has two young kids, mm-hmm. let's say 10, 12, 14 years old, that want to go see a game with dad and mom, and mm-hmm. they can get in for a good price. You know, a combination of I, buying four tickets, that type of I thing. Think, as, as, and maybe they already do. And I, I just, think a family pack is eighty bucks now. So that's still that's expensive. That's still pretty expensive, though. That's very expensive. Uh, you're looking at twenty dollars a ticket. You know, I know baseball's expensive. All sports are expensive. And the revalue of tickets are expensive. Um, it is what it is, but that's a different story for a different night. I'm more excited about how this team has performed. And I look at the growth of a Josh Naylor and, and the leadership that he has really driven this team and how he's come back from injury and played. I look at Ahmad Rosario, who all of us at one point or another said, well, yep. he's the guy we could trade. He's done. And yep. look how well he has played and how important he is to the up the middle. And his defense has improved tremendously. Yes, and it has. I'm not saying he's ever going to win a gold glove because he's not. Uh, however, He's very. He's turned into a solid defensive player this year, which again maybe constituted just being left alone. Let him play shortstop and stop moving yeah. him to the outfield and other places where he was uncomfortable and did not feel, uh, you know, that was his place to be. So, and then you look at the the rock in Ramirez as third base, and then you look at the growth of tremendous value of Jimenez at second base. He's yep. an all-star. He's uh, 
literally a gold glove, a platinum glove, you know, a yep. bat. And it's just amazing what the growth of him. Center field, we're going to see how Straw reacts going forward next season and that. It could have been just one yep. of those years that everything got away from him. It may be this is who he is. We just, I don't think there's a big enough well, sample size over his career to know. However, he's going to be pushed for playing time going forward because there's some young guys that are going to crack this lineup. So, uh, very important player. He's played better, but we know darn well that this year was a down year for him. Let me say this, Tim. Um, and go back and when Terry Francona was hired in 2013 by this team, um, just the identity that he has ingrained the culture. And uh, Sandy Alomar said it yesterday. This culture is second in baseball, and people who leave the organization say the same thing. Um, I believe it was Baltimore's manager when he came here, Brandon High, and we beat them in game one. He goes, uh, that's how I want our team to play. Yeah, uh, Dave Roberts mentioned the same thing. Is you know, and uh, I was talking to somebody on Friday, Tim, and I just said, you know, this team is fun to watch because they play the game the right way. They respect the game. You know, they play hard. <clears throat> you know, they don't take plays off. Um, and I think two players that you mentioned that fit that bill exactly, Tom um, and Rosario and Josh Naylor. I mean. Where would this team be uh, without those two and the growth that uh, Rosario has made? Rosario, we, he always came in as a very good major league hitter, a good fastball hitter to him this year. At times, he struggled with sliders away, but he's gotten better on – if you make a mistake on a changeup or a slider – uh, he's going to turn on that pitch, and he's going to take it 350 feet to left, and it's going to be a home run instead of a single to right. Well, um, you know what? Defensively, he's grown leaps and bounds. He's never going to be Omar Vizquel. And I think this team's okay that they don't need him to be Omar Vizquel defensively. Just be serviceable, make the everyday plays, and maybe make a spectacular play every once in a while. Get to the um, make the routine play, make the routine throw, and, and then that exactly. you start there and you build from that. Um, as for what you're talking about when you're talking about culture, and one of Terry Francona's best attributes, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is he allows players to be who they are, be themselves, and yeah. he, you listen to him and his. After every game this year, in the post-game comments or the next day comments when he's talking to Mm -hmm. Tom Hamilton, what do you hear? You hear this. He goes, you know, I don't want, um, you know, Ahmed not to be aggressive at the plate. Yeah, yeah, you can talk about, we would love to see him take about, you know, let's say a walk more a week. That would be like 30, you know, that would be 35 walks a year. Oh, that'd be huge with the 20 that he gets now. All right. But that's not his game. Now he may grow into that player as he gets older. He may not as he matures in his career, but he, one thing 
Terry Francona has always stressed, no matter who it is, he wants them to be who they are. If that means Quan takes a pitch at one, no ball, two strikes, because he believes it's a ball, then he's going to do uh-huh. that. He yep. wants him to be himself and play his style of baseball. He wants Josh Naylor to be that style of baseball player that Josh Naylor is. He never asks a player to do what they're not in their skill set. And that's probably one of his greatest attributes in my eyes. And more than anything, and you talked about the culture of the, the organization, a perfect example of what you're talking about, and I know this is a player that brings up frustration to many fans out there, but I have such total respect for him is Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw told everybody the last two years there was only one organization he wanted to play for, and that was Cleveland. Why? Because they know his skill sets, and they're going to put him in the best position to succeed, and he's going to work with a manager that that believes in him, and is going to put him in best situations. And he ran through walls for Francona this year. When we needed a starting pitcher for no other reason because everybody was injured and we were going to do a bullpen games, he's like, I'll do it. He volunteered for that spot. And he took it. And he threw his heart out for two and a half, three innings every time. And that's what we're talking about. It's you understanding a player's skill set and getting the maximum effort out of them to help a ball club win. That's Terry Francona in my mind. That's what makes him great. Not only is he a great X and O's guy and running the bullpen and, and making lineups, and he even says it, and he's never wrong when he says this because we all talk about it. He'll stay mm-hmm. with the player longer than necessary yes, because he, he believes should. in him. Yeah. But that's part of who he is as a guy who shows well, faith in players. He well, will stay with you. You have to truly, truly deny the coaching and the aspects of him for him to say, no, I just don't want him no yeah, more. Yeah. He will give you every effort opportunity to succeed in your skill sets and beyond. And that's what makes him a player's manager. And that's what makes him what I consider one of the best managers in baseball because he communicates with his players and every player is different. He has a style and he, he stresses it and his coaching staff does a great job, you know, being part of that equation. But that's what makes Terry Francona special. It's not necessarily his ability to run a game, which is still one of the the best in the game. It's how Mm -hmm. he communicates with his players, how he never really takes any type of shot at them. If it does happen, he immediately Mm -hmm. apologizes and immediately says, you know, I kind of misspoke the other night. Let me try to try to set the record straight here. And he's very, very humble on that level. And I think that's why. And if you, as just a person, ever worked for somebody who gives you the respect that you think you deserve and you show them your effort each day when you go to work, you enjoy working for that person. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. It's when you go to work and you dread it because the idiot who runs the place does not either A, overmanages the place, or B, has no faith in what you're doing to get the job done properly. 
that's when you run into problems. And 99% of bad managers are just people who cannot communicate with people and don't exactly. know how don't know how to show what needs to be done or how to explain what they want for you can then believe in them to get it done. And that goes across the board. There are so many terrible terrible managers at high levels of, in business and low levels of business who should never have those type of jobs because they just love the power of the job more than they love the ability to do the job. And unfortunately, some of them are cuddled to by people above them and, and put into bad positions. And that goes across the board in sports too. You can talk about the about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, the Pirates at times had bad organizational strength. and But when they had good organizational strength, it came to the top. Mm-hmm. You need, as as frustrating as Dolan is as a owner, and I understand the frustration fans have, one thing is consistent with him. He lets those he's hired do their job. Yes, now, he, he does. May, he may put them in a very difficult position saying, well, we're going to stay within this this frame and mm-hmm. you need to get it done. And they respond. So there's a give and take there. In 17, 18, and 19, we had some pretty good payrolls. And they made some, you know, some really interesting decisions at that time period. Some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. But my point is, I don't necessarily am a huge fan of Dolan, but I don't hate the man. I don't necessarily agree with everything he does, but he has his reasons. And he has a lot more information than I do. And seems to me that those who run the organization, including all the way down to Francona, believe in what they're being given in this situation, and they truly believe they can make things work. And they have done it consistently in the last 10 years uh, since this group has taken over. And it's been a phenomenal run. And it hopefully will continue to be that way uh, for many years to come. Now, who and what will will change when Frank Cohen leaves? Well, we'll just wait and see. But right now, we can pretty much guarantee Terry's back next year, and then we'll go from mm-hmm. there each and every year. And that's fine. You know, he's 63 years old. He's not a young guy anymore. Uh, he's had his, his illnesses. And uh, I honestly, like I said, take it one year at a time. It's fine with me. We got the best manager in baseball. I will fight you to the death if you think you get someone better. Um there's a handful of managers that I think are just phenomenal in the game, and Terry Francona leads that pack. I think Dusty Baker is one of the best managers in baseball. I do, too. Uh, I think Dave Roberts, who played for Francona you in know. Boston, is one of the best managers in baseball. Uh, and there's others, but I honestly truly believe that this organization is blessed to have the players, the people we have that run the organization and believe in what they're doing and have the communication skills between them to offer a competitive team each and every year. Yeah, it gets frustrating, but this is a fun team to watch. Uh, is it perfect? No. Now, they have holes. We've talked about those holes. But you know mm-hmm. what? 
This this team's going to win 90 games, if not 90-plus games this year. And it's won the division. And it won the division two weeks early. So uh, hats off to what they have achieved. And, you know, as I said many times, get me in the tournament. I don't care who I have to play. As long as I'm in the tournament, I have an opportunity. And that's the key. Look, chances are whoever wins this series with uh, Cleveland, in one of those, quote, wild card series. I like to call it round one, personally. I hate the wild card name. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, let's say whoever wins this round one, we're going to get the Yankees. That's going to be a tough chore. Yep. You know, yep. it's just the way it works. And, you know, you're going to play three of the five games in in New York. So it's not going to be easy. It's never is the easy to win championships. I don't care who you are. Uh but it takes a lot of good fortune, timing, and opportunity. And the first thing is opportunity. And this club has that opportunity to make a run. We'll see what happens in October. And we'll dissect those games. And we'll be living and dying with each pitch. But you know what? That's what makes it fun. Yeah. This, um, and in my opinion, Tim, I love, and I'm going to be, um, probably one of the few that say this. I like getting rid of game 163 because to me, baseball is decided in series throughout a duration of time. Um, and I like the tiebreak rules of head-to-head. Um, and that means, you know, Tim, like when we played Minnesota, we had to win one game out of the five from the tiebreaker. We did that. And up until next year when the schedule changes uh, you have to win 10 games against a divisional opponent to win the tiebreaker and that's huge because that makes every game from April to now important well and I'll give you an example yeah go ahead I'll give you an example the Padres are battling with the Brewers for one of the last wild card spots in the National League right correct the Brewers and Padres will play each other this year six or seven times, depending on the schedule. I think it was six, um, but I'd have to go back and double-check. Each of those teams were done playing their head-to-head six matchups by Memorial Day. So those games in April and May meant a lot. And, you know, now they're different teams now with the trades and all of that. I, I mean, Trader AJ, that's all he does in San Diego. Um, but uh, personally, uh, well, I love this that year it makes sense. Baseball. This year it makes sense. Um, it's interesting you brought that up. Uh, I had a little Twitter fight with Buster Only uh, earlier okay. this week. Uh, nothing, okay. nothing outrageous, yeah. by the way. It was more about wording than anything else. Um, it was fun, and I could care less. But. Um, I mentioned that one of the problems baseball has is some of the rule changes they make. Um, I don't think they're always fan-friendly, and they're the best. Now, this year, I understand why they have the tiebreaker, and I have no problem with the tiebreaker. Uh, obviously, yeah. there'd be you're not going to have 19 games. You're only going to have, what, 16 games next year, in divi- or 14 games in division, something like that, um, uh, with playing all the National League teams next season. So... A little different math and all that equation. Yeah. But personally, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways. 
And baseball's mm-hmm. always been about game 163 if you tied, no matter what the scenario was. Now, what has changed, and I'm the first to admit that things have changed. When I talk about that, I'm talking we're going back to when there was only two divisions in baseball, east and west, in each league. And you didn't have interleague play. And you had the the Bucky Dent game and mm-hmm. the, you know, the excitement and stuff like that. Um, so that I will miss. I think 163 has its merit. With the expanded playoffs that we have nowadays, it doesn't necessarily need to happen. As much as I'm not a big fan of... Mm-hmm. Uh, of missing the excitement of a one-game playoff or a play-in game, if you want to call it, because it's a regular season game. Um, but you go back to the days where there was only two divisions or go back to the days of 1948 when there was just one league and the Cleveland Indians won that playoff game, uh, one-game playoff game or play-in game, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, with Boston to get to the World Series. That's exciting. Um, that's to me was you know what makes baseball baseball and the history of baseball exciting. Uh, I remember being a kid learning about that game. Obviously, I didn't see it uh, long before I was born. But my point is, if you were a baseball fan, you learned about stuff like that and, and the excitements of of what that uniqueness and it was unique. It didn't happen often. Now, with the expanded playoffs over the last 10 years, there has been more 163s than before. So the, the tiebreaker makes m- more sense, quite honest with you. And I don't, like you said, I, I don't think it's set up unfairly. Um, mm-hmm. It is what the rules are. Um, with 18, or yeah, with the amount of teams that, you know, making the playoffs today, where you have a first round of six, you know, teams making it, fourteen overall. You need, you need some type of a tiebreaker. I hate. Uh, it'd be more interesting to see. Let's just say, what I wouldn't want to see necessarily. Let's just say Tampa and Seattle both tie for the best wild card record. That you yeah. have a one game playoff to settle that. I think that's unnecessary. I agree with that. However, I think you do deserve a one-game playoff if two teams tied at the divisional championship. I don't know. I still like... And I understand it. I understand it. And to me, divisional championships should be decided on the field. And technically, they are with a tiebreaker. But technically, they're not. So, um, again, I... Like I said, I'm more of a traditionalist on that level. I don't think it's the end of the world. I'm just more of a um, a belief that what makes baseball special is baseball has unique rules. And when you get more like the NFL and the NBA, you become less like baseball. And I'm not a big fan of that. I'm just glad, Tim, whether game one to three or tiebreaker, we don't have to worry about it. We can sit back these next nine games and relax because, like you said, uh, we're going to be living and dying with each pitch uh, starting next Friday night. Uh, I've already taken a vacation day for that day. Um, 
I'm not going into work. My anxiety way through the roof. Uh, after this last week against Minnesota and Chicago for eight games when they were playoff games. Um, I'm glad I get to sit back the next nine games and just relax for a little bit. And if you win or lose, it doesn't really, you know, mean much. You still want to win. Uh, but if you lose, it doesn't, you know, your playoff season's not going to be hurt. Um, because next Friday night, I'm assuming, God knows the MLB, but I'm assuming next Friday night, that uh, we'll play and uh, the anxiety will be ratcheted up to the roof again. It's going to be fun. It is is what all sports fans play are 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 fans for is for championship tournaments and uh, playoff runs. And uh, it sucks when you get knocked out early, but in the same yeah. vein, when you make a run like the Cleveland baseball club did in 2016. It's fun. And yeah, when you, nothing, uh, when you come up a little short in the playoffs, like they did in the few years after that, it's disappointing, but you know what? That's baseball. And you have to, you know, yeah, it, and, it's, and it's, it's to me, like you just said, Anthony, there's games on the horizon in October. And mm-hmm. As Tom Hamilton loves to say, it's a, be an October to remember, no matter exactly. what the outcome may be. And to me, this has been one of the more – every year is enjoyable. I hate saying more enjoyable than another year. It's just more successful than other years. Uh, yeah. I love baseball so much that uh, I've watched teams lose over 100 games, and I'd never miss a game. So, it, well, to, you know, and, and that's you – know. exactly – so did I still enjoy the season? Yeah, I did because it's baseball. And it was my team playing, even though they weren't very good. Uh, this mm-hmm. team is fun to watch. This team does have its challenges going into the playoffs. And it'll be Whatever interesting to does. see what – it'll be interesting to see how it materializes going forward. Look, um, Aaron Judge, every time he comes to the plate, is a threat for a home run. And that could be yeah. from a solo blast to a three-run or a grand slam. Um, when Stephen Kwan comes to the plate, he's going to make contact most of the time. And will his contact be an RBI or start an inning or be as magical as a grand slam was last night? We don't know. But it'll be fun to watch that contrast. And see what happens. And, you know, Josh Naylor had a great playoff in 2020. With, yes, he with, did. With Cleveland. So, mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious to see how he handles it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to just watching this team. And I think we have a couple of young players who don't know any better. Who can be really superstars yep. this time of the year. And Gonzalez is one of them. He could be that guy. And we have a couple others, too. So um, you never know who's going to be that hero um, in the playoffs. It happens. Usually it's the most unrealistic person you would think of. And sometimes it's the person that has to be. Sometimes it is the Reggie Jacksons of the world, you know, who, who seeks the limelight. And, and rises to the occasion and becomes that superstar. And sometimes it's Bucky Dent. And sometimes it is, you know, 
Perez for the Cleveland Indians in 2016. Yep. You know, you just don't know. You just don't know. And that's the fun part of or Tony Fernandez playoffs. in 97. Exactly. You know, it's just, you, you know, I think you summed, uh, you just, I think you summed it up, Tim, perfectly of what Tom Hamilton says. It's, it's going to be another October remembering, you know, it's uh, today's Monday. The weather was pretty damn crappy outside in the morning, and then it warmed up and it got crappy again. It's, um, but the thing, the thing um, that still holds true, playoff baseball is back along the shores of Lake Erie. Bundle and, up. It's going to be shitty weather the entire time. I'm going to. I, I, I'm going to bundle up tomorrow, and that's what I'm going to do when we get off the phone here. Yep. I'm going to get my clothes out for tomorrow. Again, that does it, not matter. You know, but. if you live in Northeast Ohio and you're a high school football fan, you know how you dress for a Friday night. You expect uh, for everything. Uh, if you're going to uh, Progressive Field in the next you know, few weeks, dress like it's a Friday night football game because anything and everything is on the plate. Simple as that. I'm, it's Northeast I'm Ohio. My, uh, we may even get a freaking remnants of a hurricane, but who knows? Uh, we may have seventy degree weather too. So well, and, let's hope for the you know, best the and expect the it. worst when it comes to the weather. Last week we were dressed in shorts and t-shirts back in the stadium, and now we're uh, yeah, going to be yeah. in rain boots and all that. But you know I, what, that Tim, depresses me tomorrow, so much. <laughs> you know, tomorrow. Well, the thing that I like about that, Tim. Uh, I'd rather have it cooler than warmer, but when it gets a little cooler like this and the leaves are blowing and the rain's blowing in, as you mentioned, that means playoff baseball's here. Yeah. And to me, that is the greatest thing for a baseball fan. It's even better when your team's a part of it. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be bundled up. Uh, temperature's going to be around 42 degrees real feel at first pitch. And again, though, we don't need a win. But tomorrow I'm going to be there so I can sh- sh- show my support and celebrate uh, oh, the raising me. of the flag. When that game that game ends and they have all the celebration, uh, you're going to enjoy every moment of it, and you oh, should, hey, Anthony. Exactly. And that, you just soak it in and enjoy it, and hopefully it'll be a W along the way to make it even a little sweeter. All right. Before we take off, I do want to say this because it's Monday and we'll get this posted as soon as possible because when we record, it is now. Um, Almost quarter to ten on a Monday night. High school football on mm-hmm. Western Reserve Digital Radio and twelve forty this week. I return to that one for Boardman Harding. Should be a great game in Division Two. Um, check it out. Check us out. Mark Means, myself, and a host of others will be bringing you that game and. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one on a personal level because everyone knows I live in Borman, went to school at Borman, mm-hmm. uh, started yep. my broadcasting career in Warren, covered the Raiders for many years. So, um, yeah, it, it's a special night coming up uh, on Friday night at uh, Spartan Stadium. So, uh, yeah, tune in, be there, bring your radios, do whatever you got to do. Some shout-outs to anybody who uh, gets a hold of me. It definitely will happen. And uh, if it doesn't happen, no big deal. Um, but, Anthony, it is uh, the year 2022 and the first mm-hmm. year of the Cleveland Guardians. And yes. they have the opportunity to play in a championship tournament. That's the great. 
that's the greatest thing. That's what you, uh, you know, watch spring training for. That's what you watch all 162 for is to get the opportunity uh, to, to have another October member as the phrase around Cleveland goes. And uh, we're going to enjoy the celebration tomorrow. Um, and then come next Friday, it's going to be about winning game one of 11 or now it's changed. It's now uh, 13. Yeah. I went 13. So uh, hopefully next Friday night, Tim, is the start of our 13 playoff wins and setting off a parade and a lifelong dream that you and I have had, um, you know, spanning decades. A lifelong dream many uh, of us shared uh, as Cleveland baseball fans. Yep. Anthony, thank you, my friend, for the evening. I want to wish everybody a good evening, good day, good morning, whatever you listen, and thank you all for downloading Radio MVP. For Anthony, I am Tim. We'll talk to you next time right here on Radio MVP.